of Joshua. His life is such a great example of courage. And, you know, we've talked in the last few weeks about the fact that, you know, it was thought that he really was very insecure and lacking courage. And everywhere he turned, people were telling him to be strong and courageous. The Lord was telling him, the, um, the Israelites around him were telling him, Moses was telling him, be strong and very courageous. And we see the example of his life where he just began to step out time after time after time in incredible courage. So we've been having fun learning from his life. So are you ready to dig in a little bit more today? All right, a few of you are. How about the rest of you? All right, Father, right now, we just open our hearts to you. And God, we're here to hear from you. And Father, I thank you for your word which is truth and life to us. And Father, right now, we just each, in our own way, in our own hearts, we just ask you to speak to us. Speak wisdom into our lives. Speak to us what we need to hear. Give us open hearts to hear and receive and to respond to your word today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 All right. Well, what we've been doing the last few weeks here at Chick Connection is we've been looking at different scenes of Joshua's life and learning some lessons that we can apply to our own lives. And last week, we looked at the scene of Joshua's life where he crossed over and led the children of Israel across the Jordan River. And we saw that from the time God told him to do that, to the time he stood on the other side of the river, there were lots of little mini scenes that made that happen. And so we looked at each one of those last week. And now, here they are on the other side, ready to possess the land that the Lord had promised to them. And so today, we are going to look at three scenes from Joshua's life. And the first one is the Battle of Jericho. All right, now we're going to start in Joshua 6 today. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, the verses are on the screens. And let's start in Joshua 6 in verse 1. It says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. In other translations, it says that the people were afraid because of the Israelites. They built the walls around their city because of fear of the Israelites. Did you realize that? That's why the walls existed around Jericho. And then God comes and he gives instructions to Joshua. And he tells Joshua, I've given Jericho into your hands. I want you to march around the city once a day for six days. And seven priests shall bear the seven trumpets before the ark, leading the way. And all the people will follow. And you'll go around the city once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you'll go around seven times. And on that seventh time, when the trumpets make that loud, long blast, you will shout. And when all the people shout, the walls of Jericho are going to fall flat and you will all rush in and conquer the city. Wow. So Joshua gets these instructions from God, 
And what does he do? He immediately responds with obedience. He just says, okay. And he first thing he does, he runs out and he tells all the people. He calls them all together and he tells them what God says. And then, how did the people respond? Let's look in verse 8 of Joshua 6. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. They didn't waste any time. They heard what God said. Okay, we're on this. We're going to do this. So they blew the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. Verse 9, the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the Ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around at once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. So they continued this pattern for six days. And then on the seventh day, they marched around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua yelled, shout for the Lord has given you this city. And when they all shouted, the walls fell flat, and they went in, and they conquered, and they possessed the land of Jericho. Now, the Lord gave them really specific instructions. He told them, everything in the city must be destroyed, except for Rahab and her family, because remember, the spies went in, and she hid them, and so they made a covenant with Rahab, saying that they would protect her and her family. So they protected them. And the other thing that was not to be destroyed was all the silver, gold, bronze, and iron. And the Israelites were not to take those things for themselves, but instead they were to bring those things into the Lord's treasury to be consecrated for him. And so they had this amazing victory there at Joshua. It happened just as God said. He gave them the instructions. They followed the instructions to a T, and they saw victory there. Joshua had the courage to walk in complete and total obedience to God. That's the lesson I want us to learn from this particular battle at Jericho. He had courage to walk in complete obedience to God. You see, complete obedience causes us to possess the promises of God. This was the first territory of the promised land on that side of the Jordan that they had gone in to possess. They followed God's instructions to the T. Their complete obedience enabled them to possess this promised land. Complete obedience will also always impact others. It's never just about ourselves. And Joshua's obedience caused all the Israelites to experience victory and to possess that promised land as well. Ladies, if we want to live out the purposes, the promises of God for our lives, it has to start with complete and total 
obedience. When he has something for us, and he always does, he has a future, he has a hope for us, he has plans, he has purposes for each and every one of us. When he has something for us, he knows the best way to get us there. But so often we want to figure out how to get there. But he knows the best way to get us there. We've got to recognize that and believe that. You know, sometimes we're obedient and we follow all of his instructions exactly as he says. And then we see this great miracle and this great victory. And then we want to stop there and just relish in that victory. And oh my gosh, how awesome this was. Look what God did. I heard his voice. I followed and look at this. And we just stop right there. And we start to take a little bit of the credit for ourselves. Think about what would have happened if Joshua just stopped after they crossed the Jordan. I mean, that was a huge miracle. The water standing up like walls. They were walking across onto, in, on dry land to the other side. What a miracle. Joshua, he could have just stopped on that side and said, Okay, how awesome is that? Look what God did. But we've got to recognize that complete obedience is continual obedience. It doesn't just stop after we see one victory because God always has more for us. No matter how many amazing things he's done in each of our lives, he still has more. There's still so much more that he wants to do in and through every one of us. Very often when we hear what he has for us, we want to figure out how to get there by ourselves. You know, maybe he's spoken something to you, that, something that he has for your life, something he wants to do through your life. Or maybe there's a promise in the word that has just jumped out and you know it's for you. And we hear that thing that God has for us, and then we get all excited and we try, go and try to figure out how to make it happen for ourselves. Joshua didn't do that. He had complete obedience. He even told the children of Israel, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you to shout. Then, and only then, shall you shout. So what would we do? Put yourself in Joshua's shoes getting those instructions. Anybody like to analyze? Oh, you are just being sweet little church ladies right now. And um, I know you overanalyzers out there. And uh, we get our instructions from God, and then we think, oh, I don't know, God. Like, really, like, walk around every day, six days? Like, what is that going to do? I don't know. That doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. I think I could come up with a better way, God. I just don't know if that will work. And besides that, what do people think of us just walking around the city, each day for six days and then the seventh and this just seems like a crazy plan god i could come up with a better plan i don't know and then what are people gonna think like okay maybe i could do it but like could i just pretend do we have to have all the trumpets and everything could i just pretend maybe like we're land surveyors you know and we're just out there casually marching around we come up with some plan so you know we won't be embarrassed what we're doing God doesn't need our help. <laughs> and then they were told to keep their mouths shut. What would we be doing if we were walking around? We'd be whispering for sure. 
And then the whispering would probably escalate. Um, as we heard in here this morning, trying to quiet a bunch of chatty Cathy's this morning, wow, that was not an easy thing. Okay, <laughs> but what would we be doing? We'd be whispering to the person next to us. Well, what do you think's going on inside those walls? What do you think they're thinking? Do they know we're out here? What are they doing in there? What are we gonna encounter when we go in? Do you think we're really gonna go in? They'd be whispering to themselves. That's what we'd be doing. Or, for those of you that are really spiritual, you'd be saying, well, as we walk around, we need to be praying, and we need to be declaring and speaking to those walls, or you're going to fall in the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes even good things can get in the way of what God wants to do if it's not what he told us to do. Sometimes the biggest miracle is just to get us to keep our mouths shut. Just saying, at least for me, maybe not for you, just for me. I know sometimes, you know, I might encounter a situation or see somebody who's doing something and I think, oh gosh, they just don't realize. Oh, they don't, they don't understand. They don't realize what they're doing. They, I just need to tell them. And God says, keep your mouth shut. No, God, really, like, I think it would help them. I just, if I could just tell them this, they would understand it would really help them. Keep your mouth shut. I'm doing them, a, I've had this conversation, God, I think I'm doing them a disservice. If I don't tell them, they'd need to know. He says, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Maybe this happens in your own home with your husband, there's something you want to tell him, and God says, keep your mouth shut. And sometimes I obey, <laughs> and I've gotten a lot better, and then sometimes I confess, I'm like quiet for 95%, and then there's just that little 5% jab, I gotta get in there. Well, what about this? Anybody relate? We like to help God. <laughs> what is wrong with us? <laughs> we need to remember that partial obedience is disobedience. God is calling us to complete obedience. If we want to possess the territory he has for our lives, if we want to walk into his promises, we need to live lives of complete obedience. So what is it he's asking you to do? Are you following with complete obedience? Hmm. Let's look at the next scene of Joshua's life. Next, I want us to look at the first battle at Ai. Now, there's actually two battles at Ai that we're going to look at today. They finish at, Je at Jericho. They see this great victory at Jericho. And then next, Joshua says, okay, Ai is next. So he sends spies in to spy out Ai, and they return, and they say, you know, there's not that many people at Ai, so we don't need to take everyone. Why get everyone worn out and tired? Let's just take a small army. Let's just take two to 3,000 people to go up and fight Ai. Well, the people at Ai heard what had happened at Jericho, so they were ready, and they were waiting for him. And so this army, about 3,000, goes towards Ai, and before they even get to the city gates, the people of Ai 
come out towards them to attack them. They kill 36 Israelites, and the rest of them are so deflated, it says their hearts have melted, and they ran away in fear. The people of Ai chased them out before they even got into the city. They didn't even go in through the gate. The people were filled with fear. They were discouraged. Their hearts were deflated. Joshua was so distraught, it says he tore his clothes. He and all the elders of Israel fell on their faces before God. And as they are doing that, this is what the Lord says in Joshua 7, verse 10. But the Lord says to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. Remember, God said some of the things at Jericho, they were not to, there was nothing they were to take for themselves. The silver, the gold, the bronze, the iron, those things were going to go into the treasury of the Lord to be consecrated for him. And so he says, they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. Listen, God says, I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Then, after that, the Lord tells Joshua, okay, get up, go, tell the people to purify themselves and get ready, get their hearts cleansed, get their hearts pure, and get ready because tomorrow we're going to find out where this sin has entered the camp. And so tomorrow, we're going to bring a representative from each of the tribes of Israel to come forward before God. And God's going to identify which tribe the sin came from. And so God does that. And they identify the tribe. And then they bring all the clans of that tribe before God. And he identifies the clan. And then they bring all the families within that clan and, God, clan, and God identifies the family. And then they bring all the family members of that family. And God identifies Achan as the one who had sinned. Achan was singled out by God, and Joshua then confronts him. And he says, what have you done? Tell me what you have done. Don't leave out a thing. And in verse 20, Achan replies, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them, and they are hidden in the ground beneath my tent, with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua went and sent people into Achan's tent, and they found everything as Achan had said. So they gathered all of it. They gathered all of Achan's family and all of his possessions, and they took them out of the city and stoned them and burned them to death for breaking the covenant of God and bringing destruction upon the children of Israel.
wow, this scene is a little different than most of the scenes we've looked at from Joshua's life. I want us to learn a couple of lessons from this scene. True courage always begins with a word from God. You see, when Joshua went into Jericho, he had a word from God that said, I've given you the city of Jericho. But when they went into Ai, he didn't have a word from God. God hadn't spoken to him yet to go in to Ai. And sometimes when we've just been walking courageously with God and we're seeing victories, it's easy to step out from under God's direction and step into our own human, earthly, fleshly courage and think that we can just do things on our own and see the same results. Did they see the same result in this battle? No, they saw defeat. And Joshua, his heart was deflated. He was so discouraged. Discouragement paints everything with a negative brush because Joshua began to blame God. It says that he, he cried out to God, why did you even bring us here? Why did you allow this to happen? Why did we even cross the Jordan if we weren't going to have victory and, and possess all the land that you've given to us? He begins to blame God. His heart was discouraged. And when we try to accomplish something in our own human, fleshly, just a natural courage, most often it will end in discouragement. See, true courage stems out of God's word and out of his promises to us. I remember in my life, when I was going through the hardest time of my life, I thought, God, I don't know how to keep going. I don't know how to go forward. And he just spoke a promise to me out of his word in Psalm 40, where it says that he would lift me up out of the slimy pit, out of the miry clay. He'd set my feet upon a rock and put a new song in my heart that many would see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And when I read that, it was like it jumped off of the page at me, and I knew it was God's promise to me personally that he was speaking to me in that promise and that promise gave me courage to go forward each day no matter how difficult each day was I knew that God was with me that he wasn't going to leave me in that pit where I felt like I was but he was pulling me up that he was going to do something miraculous in my life that he was going to use that to be a story that would encourage other people I knew that God was with with me and it gave me courage to go forward each and every day true courage stems out of God's Word it's not like we just conjure it up ourselves and say well I'm gonna be courageous and go out and do this or that see when we have our courage based in God's Word God's Word is truth God is not a man he is absolutely incapable of lying that's what his word tells us there is nothing as secure and guaranteed as God's word so when we dig ourselves into his promise and hold on to that promise we have the guarantee of God backing us that gives us courage that enables us to know I can go forward God has said this he will not lie he will not let me down he is with me he is for me that's what produces true courage it's a word from God a promise from God 
Second thing I want us to learn from this scene of Joshua's life is that if we want to defeat the enemy and possess the promises that he has for us, the territory that he has for our lives, we have got to have the courage to remove from our lives anything that stands in the way. You see, the Lord told Joshua, he said, you will never defeat the enemy unless you get these forbidden things out of your midst. Sometimes we get things in our midst, within us, around us, that don't need to be there, that stand in the way of us conquering the enemy in our lives, of us walking into the promises that God has for us. Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's rebellion. Sometimes it's attitudes of thinking that we know better than God or what we're doing doesn't really matter to God. It's not a big deal. It's okay. What did Achan do? He went against God's instructions for them, right? God told them, don't take any of those possessions for yourself. But that's exactly what Achan did. So he acted contrary to God's instructions to them. Anything in our lives that contradicts God's instructions to us in his word will stand in the way of us possessing all that he has for us. Do you realize that? I want to say that again. Anything in our lives that contradicts God's word, God's instructions to us will stand in the way of us possessing all that God has for us. Think about it with me for a moment. Think about in the area of giving. God's given us a promise in his word. He gives us instructions. He says, if you bring the whole tithe, offerings into the storehouse, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings beyond what you can contain. He's given us instructions. But if we let something in our life contradict those instructions, maybe an uh, attitude of, well, I don't think that'll work for me. An attitude of, well, I can't afford that. I can't do that. Whatever that mindset is, that thinking is, if it contradicts God's instructions to us, then we'll never walk into the provision that God wants to pour into our lives. You see? Think about it in terms of marriage. The Word of God is full of instructions for us on marriage. And one of the things it says specifically to us as wives is to respect our husbands. So maybe you've got some strife going on at home. Maybe there's just been a lot of stress and tension in the house and you're kind of at each other with your husband and just back and forth, just a little bit of arguing going on in the house lately. God's instruction to us is wives respect your husbands. But if we're holding on to thoughts that say, there is nothing to respect right now. I don't feel like respecting him. When he changes, I'll respect him. When we hold on to thoughts that contradict God's instructions to us, or when we have behavior that contradicts God's instructions to us, and we just lash out saying things that are not very respectful, when we have those things in our lives that contradict God's instructions to us, it's going to prevent us from walking into 
what God has for us, the marriage he has for us. We've got to realize how important it is to get everything out of our lives that contradicts God's word. Maybe he's asked you to step out into something new. Maybe it's a new season for your life. Maybe there's a new endeavor that he's asking you to step out into. And you're sitting back saying, I don't know, God, not me. Not me. I, I don't think I'm the one. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not capable. I'm not worthy. God, somebody else. All of those thoughts contradict what God says about us because we've been made worthy by Jesus. And he lives in us. And he has equipped us for every good work. He is with us. He is for us. He is fighting for us. He is walking out every day with us. We are incredibly valuable to him. He has plans and purposes for our lives. So if we take on mindsets and attitudes that contradict what God says about us, what his word is to us, then we will never walk into all that he has for us. We will never possess the territory that he has for us, the areas of influence that he has for us. You see, anything contrary to God's word that we hold on to is actually disobedience. And disobedience will always affect others. It's never just about us. Achan's disobedience affected all the children of Israel. People were killed. You know, I, I don't know about you, but that grabs my heart and I say, God, I don't ever want to shrink back and sharing my faith, of sharing a, my story, of telling people about you, that people might experience spiritual death. We need to live courageous lives, being willing to get out of our lives anything that would prevent us from walking into all that God has for us. His disobedience caused people to be killed. They were defeated. Discouragement spread through the camp, and their progress of possessing the land was hindered and greatly delayed. Ladies, the way we choose to live our lives affects others. It is never just about us. Others are waiting for your obedience. Others are on the other side of your obedience. What are you dragging your heels about? What is it God's asked you to do that you're just kind of, oh, I don't know, God. Others are waiting. Get the thoughts, the attitudes, the mindsets, whatever it is, out of the way because others are waiting for you. Another thing we need to recognize about this is that things that are contrary to God's word that we pick up in one place, we'll carry them with us into the next place. How we leave one place will determine how we enter another. You see, the children of Israel, they saw victory at Jericho. But before they left, Achan rebelled against God. And that rebellion took him out from under God's protection. And the consequences were seen the next place, at Ai. Whatever we leave with in one place is what we will carry with us into the next. And so often people think, oh, it's no big deal. Look, I got away with it. Oh, 
that was nothing. God doesn't really care. Oh, I just cut the corner here. Oh, I just kind of fibbed on that, cheated on that. Oh, God doesn't really care. Yeah, he does. Our choices today determine our future. And if we leave one place, one season of life, one relationship with unresolved issues, with unconfessed sin, with undealt with baggage, then we will enter the next place, the next season of life, the next relationship with those same things. The Lord told Joshua to tell the people, stop, purify yourselves. It is so important that we keep pure, pure hearts. We can't afford to let anything contrary to God's word or his instructions to us get in the way. If we do, we won't possess all that he has for us. Right? All right. Last scene of Joshua's life we're going to look at today was that second battle at Ai. Because after everything happened and Achan and his family, they were killed, then in Joshua 8, in verse 1, then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai. For I have given you the king of Ai, Ai, his people, his town, and his land. Okay, now God is saying, I've given you Ai. God has given the word to go now. And he says, you will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time, there's something different here. This time, you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the town. Okay, that's a little different than the instructions they got at Jericho. So they went up to Ai. And so this is what Joshua did. He gathered 30,000 men, and he told them to go behind the city and set an ambush. And then Joshua takes 5,000, and he leads the way with these 5,000. And they go up towards the gate of Ai, and they're approaching, and they're anticipating the same thing that happened last time. But this time, they have a plan in place. And so sure enough, the people of Ai, they're ready. They see him coming. And so they come out the city gate, and they charge against Joshua and these, this army of 5,000. And Joshua and his army run away, pretending that they are afraid, pretending like they've been wounded along the way. And they keep running, getting the people of Ai to chase them so that all the people leave their city, leaving it vacant. And then the ambush that's waiting, the 30,000 people, they rush into the city when it's unprotected. They take the city. They set it on fire. Now you've got the people of Ai here chasing Joshua and his army, and they look back and they see smoke coming up from their city. Oh, my goodness. So they start to head back, but... The 30,000 are now coming out, chasing them, and they're sandwiched between the two armies. And they were taken out, and the children of Israel conquered Ai. And they were able to take 
the spoils of the land for themselves. God brought victory for them at Ai. Couple lessons I want us to learn here. One, when we are courageous enough to make the sacrifices that God asks us to, he will always reward us. Why don't you think about something with me? Achan wasn't willing to sacrifice all the possessions from Jericho, right? If he did, he would have had all the reward at Ai. You see, Jericho was the first battle on that side of the Jordan. God just has a thing about firsts. Firsts are really important to him. And all the spoils of that land, the, the, that was like a first fruits offering. The first battle. Okay, all of these valuable things, the silver, the gold, give that to God. And if Achan had been willing to do that, he would have found out that at Ai, God said, it's all yours to take. Wow, sometimes God asks us to make a sacrifice, and we think, oh God, I just don't know that I can afford to. Oh, I don't know that I can pass this up. Oh, I don't know that this opportunity will ever come again. If God asks us to make a sacrifice, we can rest assured that he will bring blessings about in another way. God had blessings just waiting at the next place that Achan missed out on. Second thing I want us to see here is that God is a God of second chances. Will mistakes happen in life? None of you ever make any mistakes? Will mistakes happen in life? Yes. All right, making sure you're still awake. Yeah, mistakes happen. Sometimes they're by our own doing. Sometimes we are affected by things that other people do that we have no control over. But when we are willing to make the necessary adjustments on the inside, the adjustments that we need to make, then we will position ourselves for a second chance a third chance, a fourth chance, maybe. And we will position ourselves for victory. But you know, it takes courage to make those adjustments. It takes courage to let go of the things that stand in our way. It takes courage sometimes to separate ourselves from a relationship that's not healthy for us. But when we're willing to make the necessary adjustments to get everything out of our way that would hinder us from possessing our land, then God gives us a second chance. And he positions us for victory when we cooperate with him. The thing that I want us to see here is that after they possessed the land at Ai, Joshua built an altar to the Lord where they offered sacrifices, and they offered all different kinds of sacrifices. But the sacrifices says that they represented consecration. They represented gratitude, commitment to God, fellowship with him. So they made all of these sacrifices, consecrating themselves to God, giving him thanks and gratitude. And then Joshua wrote on the stones a copy of the law of God to Moses, and he read every word of that law to all of the Israelites, men, women, children, all ages, those who were dwelling with them. And they stopped in that place to renew 
their covenant with God. Have you noticed something as we've gone through these scenes of Joshua's life? They keep stopping to consecrate themselves, to purify their hearts. Before they crossed the Jordan, before that new assignment, they stopped to consecrate themselves, to purify their hearts. Maybe you're about to enter into a new assignment, a new season. Maybe it's time to stop, to purify your heart, to make sure you're not carrying anything into that new place from the past that you don't need to carry with you. They purified their hearts before that new assignment, but then we saw that they also purified their hearts and stopped to consecrate themselves in the middle of a mess. After things didn't go as they had planned at Ai, after they had taken things into their own hands and tried to do it their own way, they realized they had a mess on their hands and they stopped to purify their hearts, to get sin out of the camp. Sometimes we're in the middle of a mess in our lives. And we just have to stop and say, okay, God, I think I took this into my own hands. God, things aren't going quite as I had planned. God, maybe I've just picked up some things, some wrong attitudes, some unforgiveness, some hurt, some pain along the way that I don't need to be carrying, some things that are preventing me from seeing victory here. God, I just stop, purify my heart to consecrate myself afresh to you. So they consecrated themselves before a new assignment, in the middle of a mess, and then here we see them doing it again after a major victory. Whatever area of life we're in, whatever stage or season of life we're in on our journey, we continually need to stop and just lay our hearts out before God purify our hearts. Say, okay, God, show me. Is there anything here that's standing in the way of where you want to take me, of what you want to do in me and through me? Whether we're facing a new assignment, whether we're in the middle of a mess, or whether we just saw a great victory, it's time to stop and just consecrate ourselves afresh to him. And I really feel like this morning, I feel like God just woke me up so early this morning, just nudging my heart, saying that's what we need to do here in this place today. Every single one of us, wherever you find yourself in your journey, it's time to just stop right where we're at, purify our hearts, and consecrate ourselves afresh to God today. And make sure that we're not carrying things with us that we don't need to be carrying with us. And just stop. Maybe we just need to stop and hear clearly from God and surrender and say, yes, okay, I'm in. I'm going to have complete obedience to what you're asking me to do. And ladies, right now, I just want us each just to make our own little altar of prayer right there, just where, where you're sitting. Maybe you just want to close your eyes. Maybe you want to kneel in front of your chair, whatever you want to do. I know this is a little different. We don't do this every week at Chick Connection, but I really feel like it's what God's asking us to do today. 
just close your eyes and just begin to talk to God. And I want you to take, we're just going to take a few minutes. We're not in a hurry. Sometimes at home we get so distracted and we get so busy that we don't take time just to stop. But here in this place this morning, we can just stop and be quiet before God. Just open our hearts to Him and just ask Him to show you if there's anything that needs to be removed from your life, anything that it's time to let go of, anything that he wants to adjust and just be willing to do that and just lay it out before him and father right now god we just open our hearts to you holy spirit speak to each and every one of us but we need to hear god as we just take these next few moments god we want to hear from you. In Jesus' name. We're just going to take a few moments. And then I'll come back and just pray with all of us together. 